Hey folks, welcome to our audio podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or find video teachings and live streams, we are New Life AG Elmira over on Facebook and YouTube. Now let's join Pastor Paul for part two of our series, Connect the Dots. God, we are so grateful that you are the way maker. God, we've seen it before. We know we'll see it again. You are the way maker. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, that we can come together and worship you and praise you. God, we remember last year at this time, God, we weren't able to have church. And so many people were, I can't wait till church opens up. And then the church has opened up and Lord God, I pray you'd break habits and bless your people, bless the body of Christ. But we are grateful to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. We are grateful to be in your presence. God, we know you're here. We've experienced your presence this morning. And now we're going to open your word. And we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak to us personally. Come on, I can't do that for you. Just between you and God, if you give him permission to speak into your life, just, just tell him that. Just ask him to speak to you. In Jesus' name, mind and flesh, stay in the room. Flesh under our feet, mind in the room. In Jesus' name. God, as always, we pray this. Change me by your word. In Jesus' name. If you agree, come on, somebody say amen. You can stay standing. We're going to put those verses up on the screen that we always do. I know. I'm trying to keep you, keep you stretched out and limbered up. And, and uh, uh, throw up there, uh, uh, Jake, Psalm 119. Here we go. We're going to say these together. You ready? Out loud. Ready? Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Next one, Psalm 119.34. Here we go. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Amen. Now you can be seated. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles. And uh, I'm going to have you, you, won't, you don't have to go far, just go to the book of Genesis. As you're doing that, uh, you know we've been doing the food pantry for mm, 20 what, 26 years, 25, 26 years, and uh, just recently, uh, we've been doing this, as I said, for a long time, and um, uh, sowing a lot of seed, and uh, um, there has been three that well-known, like a part of the pantry over the years that have passed away just recently, and uh, I don't know if, uh, if we said this to you or not, but if you remember uh, Lillian, uh, Lillian uh, passed away um, just a little bit ago, and, um, and then uh, just last week, uh, I had the privilege of doing the funeral for um, a gentleman named Art, uh, who was a part of the pantry and a, such a help in the pantry uh, for years and years, all the way back to when we were on Columbia Street. Uh, and then uh, I just got a call, and I'm going to be doing uh, the funeral for uh, a gentleman named Billy. Uh, I don't know if you, anybody remembers Billy or not, 
and uh, Billy has passed away, and um, um, kind of an interesting thing going on just uh, with that right now, and um, uh, uh, Billy is, is uh, related to Floyd, and uh, uh, I, I just, I just want to say this because we, we get opportunity, and um, uh, before we get started uh, with the Word, we get opportunity to sow the seed and water the seed, and and um, um, the first time I ever met Billy um, here at Pantry, he wanted to fight me. <laughs> Literally, he wanted to fight me. Standing in the middle of the aisle, and, uh, and he wanted to go, and he wanted to throw, throw, <laughs> throw down. And, uh, um, so we've known him for a lot of years. And the last night um, that I remember with him here, um, and his, his health had been really failing, and uh, he was here, and he was sitting right over there, and someone had come to help him get food, and uh, it was right at the end, and man, I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God was like, pressed me, and I went and sat down and talked with him, and uh, uh, just talking about Jesus, sharing the gospel, and I brought him right up to the point, and you know, Billy, do you want to pray and receive Jesus, and he kind of, uh, you know, mm, I don't know. I don't. And so I, I left that. And we were actually at the point of cleaning. And uh, he was still here. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but the Spirit of God was like, go speak to him again. And uh, so I went back over and sat down with him. And I said, Billy, I said, uh, I just need to ask you again. And I, I just quickly spoke the gospel. And I said, uh, are you sure you don't want to pray that? And uh, he said, yeah, actually I do. And, uh, and I got the chance to pray with him. And, uh, and he, he prayed uh, and asked Jesus into his heart. He wanted to be right with God. And uh, so um, it turns out um, that that was the last time we ever saw him uh, at the pantry. Um, and the last time I have seen him. And, um, and the grace and the mercy of God um, to give that opportunity to him. Amen. At the end of his life, to say, Jesus, I want to be right with you. So I have the privilege of doing his funeral this week, so please be uh, praying uh, for us in that. But can we just give God praise for that? Uh, just So when I see him in heaven, I will bring up the fight again. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you are in the book of Genesis. I hope this, this series that I started last week is called Connect the Dots. How many of you did, did anybody work on that, did do that little paper that I gave? And uh, that, that meant, I'll tell you what, um, there's some things. I did that and I put up a video on the page there. And uh, uh, go ahead, you can just roll that. Uh, just put it on the on the on the page, kind of the one that I did, and uh, um, that was that was a tedious little thing, because those little numbers were so small, and I messed it up a few times, and uh, um, I was like, man, how in the world did I get way over there? And uh, this is the series that that I'm dealing with: connect the dots, connecting dots, and as we connect dots. 
we begin to see the picture. We begin to get the full picture. Uh, so listen to me carefully because this is a, a spiritual concept that I'm dealing with in this because the ability to connect the dots spiritually is, is totally connected to the series I just finished where we dealt with what? Wake up. Stay awake spiritually. And when we are awake spiritually, watch this, we will have eyes to see and be able to connect the right dots. If we are spiritually asleep, and I will tell you, probably more than any time in my, in my life, the body of Christ is dealing with spiritual slumber right now. Hello? Amen? Come on, don't slumber in the room. The body of Christ is dealing with spiritual slumber and it happened in such a strange way because it happened in crisis. And where crisis should have driven us to pursuit of God, it, it drove people to the pursuit and then the pursuit faded and then many went to sleep spiritually. So strange. And some people, Christians, find themselves in a very numb state right now where they can take it or leave it god help us church if we have an attitude that says we can take it or leave it and so we must wake up and we must stay awake why because jesus christ is coming back and you don't want to be found sleeping if you are found sleeping you will be left come on listen to me See, because if we're sleeping, that does not even penetrate us. Oh, I can't go down. That's another part of this series. I can't, can't do that. Get ahead of myself. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Actually, with this, I got ahead of myself last week. And uh, so we're going to roll back into this. These are connected with being awake spiritually. We will be, have the ability to connect the dots spiritually. And thereby, uh, uh, we'll get the, the, the right picture. We'll get a clear picture. Uh, a clear picture because there are principles in the kingdom of God that are connected and if we're not awake we don't know they're connected if we don't know they're connected watch this this is the state of a lot of Christians we are just frustrated because it doesn't seem to work right see there are dots there are things there are principles that are connected and if you don't know what it's connected to you will be frustrated in your spiritual walk because it's like man that's just not working right so we've got to be awake last week i dealt with the subject of faith we all have to have faith amen and we all need more faith in, in an increasing way. Amen. Praise God. We need faith. But if you don't know what faith is connected to, you will be frustrated as to why you don't seem to have the faith to stand in the middle of the struggle you're going through. What is, what is faith connected to? We connected it last week, Romans chapter 10 on the screen, verse 17. It is, it is completely connected to what? Faith comes from Hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ or the Word of God. So many Christians who are not in the Word of God and then they come into a season of struggle and they wonder why they don't have faith to stand. Amen. And the faith to stand was tied to the daily time in the Word of God. Amen. 
Those things are connected, and you will not have faith for whatever the next storm is if you are not in the Word now, today, every day. Listen, I, I, I've come to the place in my life, listen, let me just say to the church, you need to make the time. Stop with the excuses and make the stinking time to get into the Word of God. Because I'm, I'm tired of seeing Christians who can't stand in things, and then you say, how's your devotional life? Well... Come on, come on, come on. No condemnation, but you've got to get past this. Amen. Because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Amen. I'm not going to coat it with sugar for us. I'm not going to say, oh, well, I get it. We're all busy. Hey, hey, we're all busy. Amen. Put the phone down and get into the Word. Whoo, okay. Man, i I got to get to where I'm preaching. Cause... Where am I? Okay. Okay, here we, so, so in this series, um, we're doing two things, and it's, it's really a gear shift. The first thing, every week, I told you I'm going to connect the dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? We're going to see the connection. Don't throw away the Old Testament. Praise God. And then we'll shift gears, and then I'll show you a principle in the kingdom of God that, and, and what it's connected to, like I did with faith last week. So let's do the first piece. Let's, let's, let's connect something in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You are in the book of Genesis. Turn to uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter what? 28. Genesis chapter 28. And I said this last week because they're tied together. The Old Testament is where the promises were made. And the New Testament is where the promises are fulfilled. And when you see the connection, it will blow your mind. Amen. It'll blow your mind. Last week I said this, and we started here in Luke 24. Uh, remember Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, uh, that same day he was on the road to what? Emmaus with two of the disciples, and they were all talking. They didn't recognize him. And, and Jesus, you remember what he did on the road? It says while they were walking, it was a seven-mile journey. I don't know how long it takes to walk seven miles because I've never done it. Amen. Probably when I was young I did, but hey, if, well, if you're going to go seven miles... I'll give you a ride in the car. How about that? But they were walking seven miles, and it said Jesus opened the Scriptures to them. What Scriptures did He open? The Old Testament. He opened the Old Testament to them, and He showed them Himself in the Old Testament. What, a, what an amazing thing. What a, what a cool conversation that would have been to be a part of it. So last week, I shared with you uh, one of the things he may have talked to. Because remember the bronze serpent on the pole? And, G, and, 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 and we studied that out last week because it, this is a connection into the New Testament. I can't do that again. It's on YouTube. You can go check that out. Today, we're in Genesis 28. And in the context of this, um, there's this guy named Jacob. Come on, somebody say Jacob. Jacob means heel grabber. It means deceiver. It means cheat. And this was who Jacob was. He was a cheater, remember? Him and his mother conspired and they put goat's hair on him. Uh, and, and so he, he felt like and he smelled like his brother Esau. And they went to the, to, to the blind father and, uh, and Jacob cheated his brother Esau out of the inheritance. Now watch this. After it all got found out, 
uh, uh, dad couldn't take it back. He's like, I'm sorry. Uh, and man, Esau was mad. And, and dad said, hey, Jacob, you should leave because your brother, watch this, your brother comforts himself with this thought that he's going to kill you. Woo. And so Jacob left town. That's where we're going to pick up. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 28, look at verse 10. All right, so that's the context. Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. This is before the my pillow guy. And so he's using a stone as a pillow. Verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a what? A ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Verse 16, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Verse 17, And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of of heaven. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Let me just give you a side note here real quick. Look at verse 13. He said, the Lord said, he's standing at the top of the ladder. He says, I am the Lord. And I am the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will fulfill the promises, Jacob, that I have made to you. Now remember, Jacob means cheater, conniver, supplanter, and that's what he was. And that's what he had done. He had just done this, and God meets with him, shows him this ladder. And says, I will fulfill all I have promised to you. Now, don't worry. You might say, well, he's going to get away with that. Uh, don't worry. Um, remember, it, Jacob means deceived. Jacob will get Jacobed very soon. Right? You, if you know the story. If not, you should read through this because he's coming to a man named Laban. And he falls in love with a girl, and he wants to marry her. And so a deal is hashed out. And uh, if you work for me seven years, I will give you my daughter to marry. And so uh, he does it. And uh, uh, he's, he's, he, you know, he wants to marry Rachel. And uh, at the end of the seven years, they have the wedding. And lo and behold, the next morning, 
he wakes up and realizes it's not Rachel, but it's the sister Leah. And he loved Rachel, but he did not love Leah. And he goes to the, to the father and says, you have Jacobed me. He says, oh, 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 let's make a deal. Tell you what, work for me another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. Watch, we do crazy stuff when we're in love. And he says, all right, let's do it. So, so he doesn't get away with it. He gets Jacob. He comes back on himself. He works seven more years. Now watch, in future generations, God will, 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 will reveal himself or speak of himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, you, you and I know his name will be changed to Israel, but he doesn't use Israel. He uses Jacob which is a comfort to all of us because he's speaking to a lying, cheating, conniving supplanter. And even him, he, he will be the God of him and he will change him because he knows that this liar will become Israel. This cheater, come on, some of us, this is a comfort to us because we wonder why he called us. He called Jacob. And he called him while he was a liar and a cheater and a supplanter. Right? He called him then when he still had a long way to go. Listen, come on, you hear me. This is a comfort to you and I. Why? Because he called you and I while we were still sinner, liar, cheater. Have you ever thought of this? Since you got saved, how many of you have had some struggles that you're not proud of since you got born again? Because I'll, I'll wait for you because you're either not listening or you're lying right to me. We've had some struggles since we got saved and he knew it was coming and he still called you. He knew it was coming and he still said, I love you. And I call you. And I have a plan for you. Yep, I knew you'd screw that up. And that. And that. And then go back and do it again. And that. And that. But I still love you. And I still called you. And I still have a plan for you. Man, I'll tell you what. So that's just kind of a side thing that we see in there. We see, we see... The grace of God show up. Now, you know what the grace of God, some people say, well, the definition is unmerited favor, which it is. But let me just say it this way. The grace of God is when, uh, is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Amen. He, no, catch it, because He gives us what we don't deserve. See, He called us when we still have a long way off. He gives us something that we don't deserve, right? Uh, ultimately, eternal life, yeah? None of us deserve that. None of us are good enough for that. The grace of God, because we're saved by grace through faith, the grace of God is when He gives you stuff you don't deserve. Listen, every one of us have been given much that we do not deserve. Don't forget it. Don't slip off into complaining because you and I have received the grace of God. Praise God. He loves us. He has a plan for us. All right? So into the connection of this, in the beginning of this, verse 12, look back there. He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder 
right? Here's a ladder uh, going from the earth to heaven. And what? The angels are ascending and descending on it. And God is at the top of it speaking to him. All right, so there's the picture of it. So let's, let's fast forward. Let me look at verse 17 before we leave here. Look at 17. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than what? The house of God and the gate. Come on, somebody say gate and the gate of heaven. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. Let's go all the way to the New Testament. We've got to connect these dots. John chapter 1. Come on, turn over there. Turn over there so you can see it with your eyes. John chapter 1. This is, as you're turning there, here's the context. Jesus has been calling some of his disciples to him. People who did not uh, deserve, like, oh, they're the most knowledgeable, they have it all together. These people did not have it together, just like you and I don't have it together. Praise God. And so this is the calling of two of the disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. And uh, uh, he... he, uh, uh, He's calling them to himself, just like he did uh, with the others, saying, you know, follow me. And uh, we're going to pick up John chapter 1. Let's pick up with verse 47. Got it? Verse 47. Here we go. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? This is their first encounter. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Watch. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? I mean, that's all it took right there. Because obviously Nathanael was under the fig tree, He's like, he walks up and this dude just told me, I saw you under the fig tree. Woo, you must be the Son of God. And Jesus was like, that's all it took for you to believe that I am the Son of God? And he says this, you will see greater things than these. Verse 51, I want you to see it. Verse 51, and then Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Did you catch that? What was he referring to? Genesis 28. Didn't that sound familiar? The ladder with angels ascending and descending on it. And he says to Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things. In fact, you're going to see, you're going to see uh, heaven open and angels and, and, uh, ascending and descending on who? He says, the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Come on, who's the Son of Man? Look at what Jesus just did. He took him to the Old Testament. And you remember that crazy dream that Jacob had? Nathaniel, you're going to see the same thing. And they're not ascending and descending on the ladder because the ladder represents me. Do you see the dots connected right there? He says, it is, remember, these are, the Old Testament is like the shadow. that They represent something. And Jesus took them back there. This could have been one of the ones on the road to Emmaus also. And said, hey, hey, guys, you remember, you remember the ladder in, in, uh, where, where, where Jacob was? And he saw that, that ladder? That ladder? That's me. 
And Jacob said, you remember Jacob went on verse 17, and he said, truly this is, this is the house of God. And then he said, and the what of heaven? The gate of heaven. Now if you know anything in the New Testament, you're like, the gate. The gate of heaven. Well, John 10, Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes in a, a, another way, right? The thief comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I am the door. I am the way in. Right? I am the way. Watch this. Our access to heaven, our access to the Father, the ladder and the door to heaven is none other than Jesus. Praise God. John 14, 6, Jesus said what? I Come on, help me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because I'm the ladder and I'm the gate. You cannot get into heaven except through Jesus. Amen. Going to church is not going to get you into heaven. Giving money is not going to get you into heaven. Trying to be a good boy or a good girl is not going to get you into heaven. It's Jesus that will get you into heaven. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the ladder, the gate, the door, that's the access to heaven. You must be born again. Come on, are you born again? Because if you are born again, at the moment of your death or the moment of His return, you will be in heaven forever with Jesus Christ. But you must be born again. This is not a hobby we do. Praise God. Hmm. John chapter... Uh, it'll be on the screen up there. John chapter 5, verse 39. John 5, verse 39. It says, because watch this. As I, as I finish this piece here with the connection to the Old Testament, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were very knowledgeable in Scripture. And He says to him, John 5, 39, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Listen to what Jesus said. And it is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness about me. See, he's, he said it right there again. He, he spoke to the Pharisees and said, you, you boys, you, you know the Old Testament. You probably got a bunch of it memorized, but you don't even realize that those Scriptures are about me. This is, watch, this is the, why Jesus was so blown away uh, with, with the Pharisees is because they knew the Scriptures, but they couldn't connect the dots. Where do the script, Old Testament Scriptures, what's the dot that it connects to? Jesus, the Messiah. They had the Scriptures, they knew the Scriptures, but they didn't realize it all pointed to Jesus. So when He rode in on the donkey... didn't know who he was. The Pharisees didn't know. Because they couldn't connect the dots. They were religious, but they were not awake spiritually. God help us not to be religious, yet not awake. What's that called? Having the form of godliness, but denying its power. The dots connect. 
Let's shift gears. Let's deal now with a principle. And I want to connect the two dots. So as I said, every time I'll be connecting an Old Testament and New Testament dot. Yeah? And, uh, and, and we're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament. So as we shift, let's, let's, let's deal with this. A kingdom of God principle. Um, do you know that music is a powerful tool? It's a powerful thing. It literally connects to our soul. It, 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 it's like this, it has this access right to our soul. Um, in the, the, the culture clash course that I do, which I will, I will do again at some point, but in that, one of the, t- one of the weeks, we, we, we spend on the subject of music. And, um, and we say this, I, I, I say, because every song, listen to me now, is a mini-sermon put to music. Listen to me carefully. Every song is a mini-sermon put to music. Be careful what you listen to. And I'll tell you what, there, there is not much, not much uh, ability to accept this anymore in the body of Christ because it's all like, oh, that's so legalistic. Well, we don't, you see, think that because, because we just we want to do and listen to what we want to do and listen to. And we don't realize it actually connects right to our soul. And that we will remember that sermon for the rest of our life. And so in that class, we prove the point. We do a music test. How many of you have ever been through the music test that we do? And I play two seconds of a song. And baby, we all know them. We can sing every word. I remember the first time, and I do all sorts of music in the first time, um, uh, from my, my teenage years, I put on the Sugar Hill Gang. If you don't know who the Sugar Hill Gang is, then God bless you. But I put on the Sugar Hill Gang, and my wife rapped every word. I'm not kidding. Am I right? And I joined her. The clean, okay. She, let me look in the can. The clean radio version. Not with the swear words in it. Okay, okay. I told her. If I start two seconds of a Barry Manilow song, baby, you'll sing it. Because, no, 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 I never listened to Barry Manilow, but somehow it's all stuck in me. Too, many, too much time in an elevator, I'm guessing. I don't know, but, but it's there. Because it's, it, why? It connects to the soul, and it is a little mini sermon that you will believe the rest of, you will remember for the rest of your life. Oh, it has no effect on me. Baby, listen, uh, listen, man, I used to be, my, my favorite band used to be Van Halen. Don't tell my parents because I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music as a child, but Van Halen, and I'll tell you that it, it, it ministered to my soul and not in a good way. Oh, I can't. So, so. So it's, it's powerful. It speaks to our soul. It carries that sort of stuff. Music will stir your emotions. It will transport you back to a place and a time. Imagine that. 
music is a, is a, is a transportation tool. Listen to me. God created music. as an avenue into His presence. As an avenue to praise Him and to worship Him. But, come on, say but. The enemy has tainted and twisted music into an avenue of escape. Or focus on anything and everything other than what it was created for, which is an avenue into the presence of God. So Van Halen used to transport me somewhere, but it was not to the presence of God. Christians will fight with you over this now. I don't care. It's a mini-sermon, and every time, it is speaking right into your soul. It has power attached to it. So, music, and of course in the body of Christ, we'll call this praise and worship. Nothing worse than having a song service when it's intended to transport us into the presence of God. My wife kind of stole this and she, she, she leaned over to me in the last two seconds of praise and worship. And she said, do you want me to read Psalm 100? I was like, okay. So turn to Psalm 100 because that's part of what I'm preaching. Psalm 100. You got that? Here we go. Psalm 100. You ready? If you're getting sleepy, please stand up. And you can, you'll shake it off. It'll, it'll cure you. Psalm 100. Here we go. Make a joyful noise. Circle the word joyful. Christians are supposed to be joyful. Come on, look at me. Were you joyful this morning in praise and worship? If you know who it was about, then I'm sure you were. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Verse 2, serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Verse 4, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. You can say it this way. Why? Why do we sing? Why do we praise and worship? Because the Lord is good. On your worst day, the Lord is still good, church. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Listen to me. This is a picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Remember the tabernacle, the big tent? And in the, in the very the, the one end of it, there was the, a separate curtained off area. And that was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. You, you know the, what I'm talking about? Indiana Jones, Ark of the Covenant, right? In the end, that's where the presence of God. And one time every year, a certain priest was allowed to go in there, but they tied a rope to his ankle. Why did they tie a rope to his ankle? 
Because if he wasn't right, if he was just form of godliness, man, I'm ready, send me in. If he wasn't right, he would be struck down dead and they would have to pull him out. The presence of God. So th- this tabernacle, there was, the, there was the, 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 the outer court, right? So the big thing, and it was, all, it was like a big uh, 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 curtained off area. You come into the outer court, then you go into the inner court, then you go into the Holy of Holies. Listen to me carefully. Praise and worship is like a transport from the outer court to the inner court into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. It is a transportation mechanism. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. How do you get into the presence of God? It is with praise and worship. Thanksgiving and praise. There's a whole lot of Christians who don't even know what you're talking about when you say experiencing the presence of God. Because they've never connected the dots. They've never connected the dots in this. Into the holy of holies. It's what it was created for. It will, our worship will transport you, the presence of God, into there. So they, you, could only, you could only enter into the holies of holies, that, that one priest, uh, one time a year. But, come on, say but, at the cross when Jesus died, listen to me, over at the temple where the holy of holies was. Huge, huge Thick curtain. Why? Because the common man could never enter in. You, you know what happened. Jesus died. What happened to the curtain? It was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Watch this. Because Jesus' death on the cross forever, say forever, forever made the way. He's the way maker. He forever made the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Forever made the way into the presence of God. Why? So you and I, although we don't have it all together, because of Jesus, we can enter into the holy of holies. Just because we can enter in doesn't mean we do. Look at me. You need to hear that again. Just because you can doesn't mean you do. And if you don't you are missing. You are missing out. And this is why you feel numb. Please hear me. This is why you feel numb. Because you're not experiencing the presence of God. Maybe it's because the enemy tells you you're not worthy to enter in. Then let me just remind you, Jesus is worthy. He's the way. Maybe you're letting your emotions dictate what you do. I don't feel like it. I'm a little ticked off today. You ever wake up mad? Okay, good. I was just checking because I do that sometimes. I just wake up mad. First person I always see is my wife. She's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like... Uh, uh, uh. Don't even. Sometimes we're, we're just rolling around and sad. Sometimes we, we're letting our circumstances dictate whether we enter the Holy of Holies or not. Listen, listen, listen. It's all about Him and for Him. Sometimes we have forgotten it's not about us. 
and yet we allow so much external stuff to dictate whether we enter in. And then we come into church numb and we leave church numb. Now I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. If you come into church numb and leave numb, that's your fault. You don't have to leave numb. The presence of God is available. I experienced the presence of God this morning. How did I get there? Well, you're the pastor. You're all no. Man, I had to I had to fix my eyes on Jesus. I had to focus. I had to praise and worship because I enter into the outer court with I enter in with thanksgiving and in with praise and the outer court and then I got to work it on into the inner court and then working on into the holy of holies and that's how I get there. And how what do I Man, all of a sudden now I'm in the presence of God. And in case you don't know, His presence changes everything. Because sometimes if I can come to church mad, and trust me, the Spirit of God will have a conversation with me right there. And if I will begin to praise, I will find that that mad, that emotion, that what it'll begin to lift. And too many Christians don't have the right dots connected. Hmm. Oh, Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there, or let me just read it to you for the sake of time. You can turn if you want, but you need to mark it. You need to read it for yourself. Here we go, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, come on, say confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. There's a bonus Old Testament reference right there. The curtain, he says, it represents my flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water. Watch, therefore, brothers, we, we enter into the holy place, the holy of holies, with confidence because of Jesus. Amen. Yeah? That's what we, that's what we do. See, why, why do we enter in? Let me, let me just make sure we understand this. Why do we enter in in praise and worship? Because it's all about Him. We enter in for Him. Listen to me carefully. Not for us. We enter in for Him and about Him. we got to have our motive right. But, but when we enter in and we make it all about Him, He then pours out on us. I know, it's, it's just like this thing that occurs, but our motive is straight. We come in with praise and worship, and we praise Him and we worship Him. Why? Because He's worthy. That's it. Not so He'll do something for me. I'm going to praise you, because a lot of Christians are caught into that. God, I, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've served, and I've given, and I've been to church, and you let that happen to me. I deserve that you should have done this for me. We play this little thing with God. I did that for you. I did praise and worship, and you didn't do what I asked you to do. You see, you got the wrong dots connected. 
It's all about Him and it's for Him. And if you make it all about Him and for Him, He will move. He, he will come and pour out His Spirit. He will show up. It's to bring Him honor and to bring Him praise and to bring Him glory. And after all, isn't that what our life is for? Let me ask that again. I don't know if you got... Isn't our life, isn't the purpose of our life to bring Him honor and Him praise and Him glory? Amen. See, you see why this is connected to spiritually awake? Because if we are spiritually awake, ain't nobody got to convince us to praise. No praise and worship leader has to say, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because if we are spiritually awake, we know who's in the room. You ain't got to beg me. I ain't waiting for your permission to enter in. I need to be in the presence of God. And He is available and He is here and the, the avenue is made. I'm going to worship. I don't care what you do. You can, you can play on Facebook if you want, but I'm going to enter into the presence of God. If you're awake, you know that. If you're not awake, you're like, are we still singing? And there's a whole lot of, I'm not just talking about our church, there's a whole lot of Christians in churches this morning who are going, are we still singing? What time is that over so I can kind of miss all of that? Come on, the presence of God is available to you. Listen, to you. Man, he, he loves to have his kids just come and sing. Come and sing to him. And tell you, God, everything's not going great today, but I just want to tell you I love you. And I want to tell you, God, you are worthy of praise. I'm not, I'm not feeling great today. I got troubles going on, but you're, God, you're still, you're still worthy. Oh, I, I got to skip a few things. So, so here we go. Uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 16, it's on the screen. Let us then with confidence, there's that word again, draw near to the throne of grace. Why? That we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. What is mercy? Mercy is when uh, God does not give us what we do deserve. Amen. Aren't you thankful He didn't strike us dead with lightning last night? Amen. That's mercy. What will we find? Mercy and grace. Why enter in? You will find mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. When? In our time of need. How many of you would say, yep, there, occasionally uh, I have a time of need. Some of you can relate right now. Let me help us because we're connecting this dot. In a time of need, what do we do? We go to the presence of God why? With confidence because of Jesus, and we will find mercy and grace in our time of need. This is why the enemy is convincing people not to. He wants you to continue to roll around in the pity party. He wants you to continue to roll around in your circumstances. When God is like, my presence is available. Jesus is the way. Come on in. You will find mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but I need mercy and grace. And mercy and grace is available if you will enter into the presence of God. But as long as you stay on the outside, you will be frustrated because where's the mercy and grace? It's on the inside. 
Come on, catch me. It is on the inside. And you enter in with thanksgiving and with praise. You need to grab your soul by the collar and say, come on, get up. We're going to praise God this morning. I don't care if you feel like it. I don't care if I'm hurting. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if all my circumstances are messed up. We're going to get up and we're going to praise Him because mercy and grace are in His presence. Connect the right dots. said this last week, let me say it again, in my own life, and we'll probably share it at some point, but um, my wife and I are dealing with some weighty stuff right now in our, in our life. Some weighty things. Some things that could very easily become overwhelming. Have you ever been there? Let me tell you what the Spirit of God spoke to us. Spoken to, to my heart as we came into this year before we knew what was, was coming. Listen to what he said. It relates back to something I just said. He said, be careful how you hear. And be careful what you, what you hear. Be careful. Be careful. Hebrews 12 I, can't, I don't have time to read it. It says, this is where it says, looking unto Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Listen to what it says at the end. Hebrews 12, verse 3 says this, Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What's it mean to be weary? It means to be tired and exhausted. Faint-hearted means to be discouraged to the point of giving up. And he says, listen, be very careful what you hear. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that you will not become tired, exhausted, discouraged to the point of giving up. We must connect those dots. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's your choice. That is your choice. So what did we do in our own life this year? Listen, let me just tell you what we've been doing. Because we're walking out something that, 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 that I just want you to see this. It'll, it'll be explained at some point. But, uh, so what did we do? Listen, we, we had to come to the place where, where we, we just are... Fix your eyes. So what did we do? Uh, we, we had to begin to turn off the news... Listen, because when I'm feeling overwhelmed, the last thing in the world I need is something else to get mad about. And I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, if I didn't wake up mad, I'm mad now. I, I, listen, I, don't, I just I don't need it. And so we had to begin to turn off the news and begin to back away from that. And then, and then what? And then just begin to even more begin to turn on the worship, begin to focus in on praise and worship, and begin to move on into that. Right? We had to begin to, listen, in our house, we got like speakers in all the areas of the house, and we began to turn on the worship, and we began to praise God. And, and I mean loudly, to the point like you're supposed to apologize to your neighbors. Which I'm sorry. <laughs> because we had a choice. Either be overwhelmed and receive the pressure, which leads to complaining, 
or we'll begin to praise. And so turn on the music and begin to praise. And so we would do that. Listen, those speakers are in the rooms of our house, in my office, in the, in the, in the, uh, the we had the music in the living room, the music in the kitchen, uh, uh, music in the bathroom. Listen, and just get the praise and worship and just begin to enter into the presence of God. Get in the car and don't turn on the other junk. Get on the praise and worship. I need to get something else speaking into my life. And you know what happened? God began to speak to us. First, it was He began to speak through His Word. Man, He was downloading what I talked last week. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the what? Word of God. Amen. And then God began to give us songs. And not just any songs, but He began to give us worship songs of which we have been introducing to you lately. The songs that we have been rocking out to in our house. A couple of weeks ago, we sang that new song we introduced, I Thank God. Right? Oh. In our house. Mm. Last week, and we sang it this morning, you hold it all together. Woo! We posted online uh, a song yesterday. Well, actually, my wife did it earlier in the week, and then I did it yesterday on the church page that we're going to sing in just a moment. That's called Wait on You. And man, the Spirit of God, because it transports my soul, and it, it, the Spirit of God will begin to minister to our soul. What's our soul? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we got to connect the right dots. And when we're feeling weary or feeling discouraged, that we gotta, we got to be careful what we hear, what we listen to, and what we focus on. And in the presence of God, we will find mercy and grace. It's the power of how it works. And so as we did that in our own life, what began to happen? We began to find mercy and grace and joy. We began to find peace because it's all in the presence of God. See, this is, this is where Christians don't... We, we, we struggle to connect the dots. Oh, we want peace really bad. It's in the presence of God. If you want peace, Jesus says, come on in because I am peace. I am joy. We began to find encouragement for our souls. And I mean tangible. For, for, for our life and for our circumstance and for our situation. So that we could praise God in whatever. Because we sing crazy songs like we sang this morning. I'm going to praise you in the storm. Man, that is so easy to praise when you're not in a storm. But when you're in it, it takes on a whole nother meaning. 
Some of you, you're in it. And you know what? There's a difference in your praise when you're in it and you're awake. Because you're like, um, yeah, if I don't get in the presence of God, I'm on the verge of feeling crushed to give up right now. So I need to be in the presence of God. And you sing a song like we sang that raise a hallelujah, right? Hallelujah means what? Praise the Lord. Raise a, pra- a praise the Lord in the middle of a storm. And then it says, and I'm going to do it louder. And louder. And louder. Sorry, Mark. Louder. This is the connection of the dots. Listen carefully. I'll bring this to a close. And we're going to sing. Mercy. Listen, if you need any of these. If you need mercy. If you need grace. If you need peace, if you need joy or encouragement. Now, if you need any one of those, come on, here's what we're going to do. Let's connect the dots. we got to connect the right dots. If you need any of those, the line gets drawn and the dot that it connects with is His presence. And from there, His presence connects to the dot praise and worship. And there are the right connections. So, see this is where it becomes our choice. Instead of being frustrated, instead of staying in the overwhelmed place, why not enter in? Why not praise the God who is the way maker? Because you're, if you're in a storm, then you need God to make a way where there seems to be no way. So come into the presence of the way maker. And if you've noticed, He won't make you, but He invites you because He loves you. So I just encourage you, listen, fill your life with it. Fill your car with it. Fill your kitchen with it. Fill your living room with it. Fill your bathroom with it. Before church, can I tell you what you ought to do before church? Praise and worship. Get yourself ready with praise and worship. I rock out in my office on Sunday mornings, getting ready, combing my hair, doing all that stuff. Singing, praising, worshiping, and then come to church already engaged in the presence of God. Church, listen, He's available to you. He's available to you. Let me have you close your eyes. 
Just bow your heads. Stay right, right where you're at there in your seat if you want. Listen. Fill your life with it. And, and not, listen now, not just as background noise. Because just playing worship or praise does not change the atmosphere. Let me just say it this way, and, and then I'll close in prayer. Their praise and worship, whoever's singing on the CD or whatever you're listening to, the 8-track, I don't know, their praise and worship is not the dot connection. It is your praise and worship that connects the dots. Father, in Jesus' name, God, there's people in this room who are going through storm right now. And gracious God, You invite them into Your presence. And You said to us in Your Word, You can come in confidently because of Jesus. And in My presence, You will find mercy and grace in Your time of need. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to connect the dots. Help us to be awake enough spiritually that we connect the dots. In Jesus' name.